0: Hi everybody, welcome to Off the Podium. If you're in Model United Nations, you know that a lot of the time us delegates are required to refrain from using personal pronouns and maintain professionalism. Well, this podcast is going to be defying all those rules. We'll be keeping you up to date on parliamentary procedure as well as informing you on current affairs in realms of politics, entertainment, technology, and science with a simple and casual approach. It's never been more important to stay informed, so we hope you'll keep up with us. So, let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome back to this podcast. Today we have some really interesting segments. We're going to talk about how to build relationships in MUN, and then we're going to go into some news as always, talk about some conflicts in Azerbaijan and Armenia. Um, We're going to talk about what would happen if the president weren't able to Um, uphold his Republican nomination and we're gonna talk about SNL's comeback so stay tuned um, and hope you enjoy okay so a really important part of MUN is building relationships and um, there are many benefits to being in this club like professionalism and, you know, developing your writing and speaking skills. And one of them is learning how to build these relationships because we're going to have to do it for the rest of our life in our professional careers. So there, um, I'm going to kind of talk about some of the main points um, in an MUN conference where you can really focus on building relationships and just some tips on how to do that. So um, before committee starts, when people, maybe this is like when people are checking in, um, find people that are in your committee, that are going to be in your committee. Everyone has name tags with their um, country name and their committee. So just find people um, in your group, in your committee, and you can start a like, small talk discussion. Just like, what school do you go to? Or you, if you want, you can have some basic initial conversations about the issue um, that's assigned to you guys. Personally, I would try and stay away from committee-specific stuff and just get to know them. Um, So you can ask, like, how long have you been in MUN? Or are you nervous? Because I'm kind of nervous. Or just anything casual. Um, And this can happen outside the conference room. Like I said, during the um, check-in time in the lobby. Or if you want, it can happen inside the committee room when people are still coming in. Um, But just if, if you do find someone from a country that you think has a similar stance as you, it may be a good idea to try and sit near them. Um, so that you can get to work as soon as possible and you don't really have to wait till the next point which you can establish a relationship, which is topic speeches. So remember um, when you're in moderated caucus or especially when someone is giving a speech, you can't be whispering and talking to people. The only way to communicate is through note passing. So if, someone's, if someone gave a good topic speech, it should be clear after they finish what their country policies are in regards to the topic and what their main approach is going to be to solve the solution. So if you hear that someone has a similar idea to you, you don't need to wait for an unmoderated caucus to talk to them, just send them a note. So you can say, um, hey, delegate of blah, 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 I really liked your idea of implementing government subsidies and I have a solution that's similar to that. Um, Would you be open to talking about this more? Why don't we find each other during unmod? So that's kind of lengthy. It can be quick and to the point, but obviously be nice, make it personable in your letter because that doesn't have to be formal. And um, also remember, you don't have to limit your note passing just to one delegate. If you establish a few relationships before the unmoderated caucus, it'll make everything quicker in unmod because you can get started on writing a resolution as soon as possible. Um, so at state, if you have a group established the first night, which is honestly probably unlikely because that first night mainly consists of icebreakers and maybe a few topic speeches if you have the time, but majority of the delegates are not going to be giving a topic speech. But if you do, you know, have some people, um, you can go ahead and get people's emails and share a Google doc and you can start working on, um, a resolution that night, um, even if you just meet, like, one other person that you know you want to work with, go ahead and start drafting some things together. Um, and this can be in bullet point form or it can be, like, in full clause form. Um, but, you know, just remember the committee time goes by really fast, so you don't want to waste any time. You can start working on your resolution, you know, whenever you want. Um, so the time which you take writing your working paper, once you are in committee... Uh, and remember a working paper is just like your draft resolution before it gets uh, passed so that time that you take to write your resolution is very critical to building relationships so um yes it's limited time it goes by quick but you shouldn't be too like uptight you want to make sure you're welcoming everyone's ideas and you know don't just listen to those that are power delegates Um, So if you can be that mediator between those really outspoken power delegates and those who are more quiet, you're going to come off as a much better team member overall, and the chair will see this and it may or may not influence their decisions for awards. So make sure you're that delegate that everyone wants to talk to and everyone feels comfortable talking to, even if you're just kind of relaying ideas from a quiet delegate to the rest of the group that kind of shows that like mediation like if you're just a nice person um also something that i would recommend is try and get everyone in your resolution group to be like in a circle don't just be you know this huddle like in the middle you have all these people with the laptops typing at the resolution and then everyone else is just kind of standing behind trying to see um because like just because they don't have a laptop you know you don't want to be leaving people out which is a basic thing, but it literally happens in every single committee, um, which is also why it's important to bring a device that you can easily type on. Um, but yeah, just don't leave people out. Be nice. And these are the main places, the main times um, in and out of committee that I find to be very helpful in building relationships. Um And another time also that I just thought of is lunch or like any of the the meal times Um, because maybe you don't want to just stick with, you know, the reedy group. If you want to sit with a delegate from your committee, you're totally welcome to do that Um, after we kind of all make sure that everyone is there. You can go sit by a delegate from your committee to just talk some ideas or write a resolution. Um, So yeah, those are my tips, and I hope you enjoyed that. hope that was helpful. Nagorno-Karabakh is a part of Azerbaijan, but its population is majority Armenian. Armenia has a Christian majority, while Azerbaijan has a Muslim majority. Both countries were once a part of the Soviet Union. In the 1980s, Nagorno-Karabakh was given to Azerbaijan despite its Armenian majority. Later, a vote by the Armenians of the area caused Armenian forces to get a hold of it. This caused major tensions between the countries and eventually war broke out. While it was supposedly ended with a ceasefire in 1994, the dispute wasn't actually ended. This conflict has resulted in ethnic cleansing and massacres, causing several thousands to be displaced. Since the 1994 ceasefire, Nagorno-Karabakh is technically a part of Azerbaijan, but it is still governed by a separatist group of ethnic Armenians. A peace treaty has still not been reached after decades of negotiations and mediations by other international entities. As of October 4th, the separatist group is claiming to have hit the Ganja military airport in Azerbaijan, while the Azerbaijan government is claiming that no military areas have been hit while other buildings have been destroyed. The city of Ganja has been left with many casualties. Nagorno-Karabakh has confirmed that 201 personnel and a number of civilians have died since the fighting began on September 27th. Azerbaijan reported that 22 civilians have been killed. Overall, the conflict right now is the most severe that it has ever been since the start of the tensions. Both sides are saying that their troops are larger in number now, and in Azerbaijan, they've taken control of multiple villages. Stepana Kurt, the region's capital in Azerbaijan, has been hit with missiles, leaving the city without electricity and dead civilians. Turkey has accused Armenia of targeting civilians while they deny the claim that they are opening fire in Azerbaijan's direction. As far as international allies, Turkey has close ties to Azerbaijan, and Russia has good relations with both, but is backing Armenia. Armenia is currently open to mediation by superpowers such as France, Russia, and the U.S. to help employ a ceasefire. It has been reported that President Donald Trump has been diagnosed with COVID-19. While health officials are saying that he should be out of the hospital by Monday, let's take a look and see what would happen if he were too sick to continue his campaign for the upcoming election. So there are three key characters in this scenario in addition to President Trump. First, we have Vice President Mike Pence, then the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, and then Chuck Grassley, who leads the Senate in the absence of Vice President Pence. So, according to the Constitution, the powers and duties of the president would go to the vice president. Um, In this case, that's Mike Pence. In order to put this into action, Trump would have to address a letter to both Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Grassley to inform them that he's no longer able to serve as president. If at some point Trump were physically able to take back his role, he would again have to send a letter to Congress. Seeing as a U.S. election has never been postponed, it is unlikely that this year's election would be postponed due to Trump's diagnosis. But if it were to happen, the decision would fall into the hands of the U.S. Congress, who has the power to set the election day. The law has been stating that the election occurs on the first Tuesday after the first Monday of November every four years, um, and that has been the set date. So if this year that were to be changed, the law would also need to be changed in the next 30 days. Even if Trump is not well by Election Day, the Republican National Committee doesn't really have time to find another candidate to replace his name on the ballot, so Trump's name would remain on the ballot. When we look back at history, there have only been a handful of times when the President has put the Vice President in charge, when President Ronald Reagan was undergoing surgery for cancer, he put his vice president, George H.W. Bush, in charge. And former President George W. Bush put his vice president in charge twice um, after his two colonoscopies. In any case, this election is already pretty messy, so I don't think we need any more complications. Hopefully, President Trump will be back to good health soon. Saturday Night Live is back at 30 Rock in New York with the studio audience, after half of its last season suddenly became virtually executed. The show began with the staple political cold open, with a portrayal of Tuesday's first presidential debate with Jim Carrey playing former Vice President Joe Biden, and of course, Alec Baldwin playing President Donald Trump. And as a bonus, we got to see Maya Rudolph playing Kamala, or Mamala Harris. Chris Rock hosted the season premiere with musical guest Megan Thee Stallion. Chloe Fineman did a spoof of the new Drew Barrymore show and made satirical references to Ellen DeGeneres along the way. My personal favorite segment, We in Update, with Colin Jost and Michael Che was back as well, where they made their jokes about the Trumps' COVID-19 diagnosis, among other things. Ending things with good intentions, Che said, I don't want the president to die, obviously, I just wish him a very lengthy recovery. These honest, maybe slightly crossing-the-line remarks are what makes SNL such an enjoyable show to watch. Karen Valby from Vanity Fair was unimpressed with both host Chris Rock's monologue and musical guest Megan Thee Stallion's performance, but did applaud another staple of SNL, the cast's episode Farewell, where they stood in masks on the Studio 8-H stage with Rock telling everyone to wear a mask and be safe out there. Thank you guys for listening to this episode, and make sure to tune in next week for the next one. See you later. Bye.